0: Topic tonight out of Jeremiah chapter 35, the merciful judgment of God. So in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. So God instructs Jeremiah with some very detailed things to do, During the time of Jehoiakim, we've seen there's been lots of chapters uh, during the time of Jehoiakim, even though he only reigned 11 years since he was such a rotten king. God had many messages uh, to Jeremiah for him and uh, for Jehoiakim. Um, Jeremiah was reigning during the time of Josiah as well, and we have very few messages specifically for Jeremiah to Josiah, because Josiah was doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Jehoiakim was not. And so he gets all these messages and so one of them is for Jeremiah to get this family together and to bring them into the house of the Lord and to offer them wine to drink. Uh, whether it's uh, alcoholic wine or just grape juice, the Bible's not clear from the wording there. Uh, but nonetheless, give them this to drink, wine to drink. And so Jeremiah took uh and the whole house of the Rechabites and I brought them into the house of the Lord. I set before them bowls full of wine and said, drink wine. But they said, we will drink no wine for Janaadab. the son of Rechab, commanded us, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. So kind of a, like a Nazarite vow that they were to not. Now, we're not sure if this family are of the tribe of Israel or not. That's not necessarily clear from the text as well but they're from this family uh, name and they are living in among uh, the, the tribes of Israel. And so this, uh, and this Rechab, Rechab uh, might go back like 300 years if it matches up with one mentioned in, in the scriptures. Um, so for 300 years they are following this tradition of their great, great ground, how many greats you need to get to be that great back, if it's 300 years, but obviously many generations, and they're continuing to follow this line, this, this teaching, to not drink any wine, um, your sons, forever. You shall not build house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these, but all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus, we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us. <coughs> and so, uh, so they're living in tents, kind of like uh, you know, uh, nomads in a sense, and they're sojourners in the land. So they might not, again, so it kind of indicated they might not have been of Israel, otherwise, they would have received plots of land from the inheritance through the tribes. But they, they told not to do that, just to dwell in the land and to just travel around living in tents, not uh, drinking wine, not planting a vineyard, not sowing seed, not building a house. And they continued that for generations and generations. And it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. So they're now living in Jerusalem, maybe still in tents, maybe a little tent city within the city, um, or whatever, but they are inside the confines of the walls for protection. And the word of the Lord said, Tell the men of Judah and Jerusalem, this is Jeremiah, God speaking to Jeremiah, Will you not receive instructions to obey my words? The words of Yanadab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed to this day. They drink none and obey their father's command. So God now is rebuking through Jeremiah the people in Jerusalem, the children of Judah. Here's his family, they're obeying their father. But I spoke to you rising early and you didn't obey me. I sent all my servants, the prophets, saying, Turn everyone from his evil way, amend your doings, and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers, but you have not listened or obeyed me. So God uses this illustration, so he has Jeremiah go and, and get this family together and offer them wine, and they say, No, we're not going to do that, we're going to obey our father, way back when, who told us not to do these things, and so we're still obeying him. And so God uses this as an illustration. Here's this family. They're obeying a human, earthly parent who has been dead a long time. And here I am, the one who created you, created the world, created all things, have done mighty things for you, delivered you out of Egypt, brought you into this land, protected you time and time and time again over all of these centuries. Provided you this temple, provided you this city, and yet you don't obey me. Sun comes up, and the moon comes up, and the stars are out there. The earth turns, and you're not obeying me, the creator of it all. And yet they'll obey a human patriarch. Jeremiah says, I sent you all these prophets, all of my prophets, with a message, turn everyone from his evil way and amend your doings and do not go after other gods. And we saw this is the message of all of God's prophets. When we looked and compared the true prophets from false prophets, one of the identifying marks is that the prophets of God, and would apply not only to prophets, but, but everyone who speaks for God that their message should contain a turning from our evil ways and to amend our doings and to follow the Lord God and serve him and only him. God says this, I sent you all the prophets with this same message. And that's Jeremiah's message. And that should be the message that comes to our hearts. That God is constantly wanting us to draw closer to Him. And as we draw closer to Him, our ways will be amended more and more. We are so broken. So broken at heart. Each of us individually and corporately as humanity. We are so broken. We are so far from God. We've gotten so far from God that we don't even know we're far from God. We can't even see Him. We can't even see His ways. We're so broken we think we're okay. We get so used to it being broken, living in our brokenness. And we think this is normal, to have such problems, to be so mean to each other, to be so selfish about everything, to suffer with depression and anger and bitterness and rage and wrath, to live off of chemicals and drugs and drink the smell, uh, breathe polluted air. We think this is normal. We think this is okay. We just continue this way. Just destroying God's planet, destroying our own lives. We don't even realize our brokenness. But God has such a better plan for us. Heaven is so glorious. God's ideal for us even here and now is so much better than we can even know eye has seen, or I, uh, nor ear heard, nor can come into the, to the imagination what God has in store for us, both in the here and now and in eternity. So he says to amend our ways. So that's a message we can hear every day of our lives and continue to be amended, continue to be mended, continue to be healed, Continue to be changed more and more and more. And grow more and more. There's more, And I believe not only here on this earth, but all throughout eternity, we'll be learning and growing in God's grace and God's goodness. So if we're going to grow there, we certainly shouldn't be stagnant here. It says of Yeshua himself that he grew in knowledge and in stature with God and with men. And if he could grow, we certainly can grow in all that God wants to do for us. The only reason we think we're okay is because we're only looking at ourselves and others. But when we focus our eyes upon the Lord, focus on him and his mercy and his goodness and his grace and his love and his compassion, we focus on his life here on this earth. We we focus on, on his being through eternity and what He is and what He desires of us. and We see we're still so far short of what He would like to give us and do in us and do through us and do for us. He wants to grow us to be like Him, for His life to be lived out in us and through us. we can grow so much more as we come close to Him. And when He gives the command to turn everyone from His evil ways, He doesn't expect us to do that on our own because we can't. But in His love for us, He came to us. He sent His Son to us to turn us, that He turns us, that He changes us, that He transforms us And he does that by becoming one of us. That God descended from heaven and became one of us. That he became humanity with us. To receive our rejections, to receive our suffering, to know what it's like to be tempted, to experience the difficulties that we have, and then ultimately to experience our sins, to take us into himself, to internalize us, so that we can be set free from our sins, so that all of our guilt and all of our blame and all of our defects would be put into him. Thus we're released from it. We're delivered from it, not only from the condemnation of it, but the power that it's had over us. He receives it, and he died for us, setting us free from the guilt, from the punishment, and from its power. He liberated us and sets us free to walk in his grace and his power. So he gives us the ability to turn and then to amend, to be changed. He then comes inside us, comes inside us, and changes us, mends us, makes us, remakes us, recreates us. No matter how we're born, He wants us to be born anew. So no matter what excuse we have, no matter where we've come from, no matter what lineage, no matter what we inherited, no matter how far back our problems have been in our family, no no matter how many problems we've experienced and have been dumped on us, he can birth us anew and change all things and make all things glorious through us as we make him our God and our only God by choice, choosing him and choosing his way. That's God's message from all I sent, all of my servants giving that message. Glorious message. What God can do and does do in all who let him. Most of it he's already done for us. We will just believe it and receive it and accept it. His work begins and continues in us. But it comes down to what... You have not listened or obeyed. So God does all these things. I sent you rising early and sending them and doing all these things. I sent even my son. He's done all these things. He's already paid the price. But if we do not listen and do not obey, we do not benefit from all that God wants for us. The joy and the peace and the love and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace. The power and the strength and the victory. New heart, new desires, new emotions. If we don't listen, if we shut our ears, we say, I don't want that God. We choose not to allow him to give us obedience towards him. We don't benefit from any of it. Surely the sons of Yanadab have performed the commandments of their father, which he commanded them, but the people have not obeyed me. And so if some humans in their own strength, without even a faith in God, just a faith in their patriarch, willing to obey whatever he said, all right, we're not going to build any homes. We're going to forgo the American dream. We're going to camp out and live in a Coleman tent. You don't have a hot plate or gas burner. And that's what we'll do. And if they're able to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the power of God, how much more can God do in us and through us? Yesterday I was at a uh, cemetery participating in a burial and, uh, and there were a couple of uh, tombs that had uh, flags on them. And Jayden asked me, well, why is there a flag there? The United States flag. And, and, uh, and so I said, well, they're showing their appreciation of this country and their patriotism and their loyalty to this country. And so they, they have the flag there that was important to this person. And I left it at that. And just a few tombstones beyond that was another flag for the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I thought, well, that's where their loyalty was, and that's what was important to them, you know. (laughs) So we can, you know, if we can be so loyal to to a football team who doesn't know anything about us, who doesn't care about us in any way, shape, or form, uh, other than that they like our, that we buy tickets to their game or buy their flags or their cups, you know, or their t-shirt or hats or whatever, that's all they care about us. <laughs> They'll move to another city in a moment if they, if they want or whatever is best in their interest. They <laughs> yeah. don't care for us or any way, shape, or form. But we can be so loyal to them and we can do so much for a team or uh, employment or people who spend so much money following these musicians and stars and actors and crowd crowd stadiums. and So if we can do all that in our own human strength, how much more we can follow God with His strength. So why is it so much easier to follow a team or a band or a movie star or, or a product Because Satan doesn't care if we follow those things. He actually encourages it. But to follow God, we've got the devil standing in our way all of the time. But God is more mighty than the devil. And if we trust in God and call upon him and cry out to him for strength, he will push away all the demons that are out there that are tempting us in our minds, in our hearts, and trying to keep us from following God. And our own carnal nature is resistant to following God. Our own carnal nature wants to follow the rich and the famous and the self and all that gratifies self and entertainment and foolishness and frivolity and and sugar-coated whatever. That's our carnal nature, desires all those things. The empty fluff. So we have to fight against the flesh. But God has overcome the flesh. And God will give the ability, us the ability to turn. That's all part of our brokenness. And we naturally desire all the things that are not good for us. But God transforms us and changes us. That's the power of God. Therefore, verse 17, still Jeremiah 35, verse 17, Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, I will bring on Judah and Jerusalem all the doom that I pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, but they have not listened, and I have called to them, but they have not answered. Judgment will come. We've seen this over and over again. In Jeremiah and again all the prophets, they give the warning, a message, a message of love, a message of turn, a message of repentance and also a message of consequences if we don't, and a message of promises if we do listen and obey and allow God to work in our lives. Jeremiah said to the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Since you obeyed the commandment of Yanadab, your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you, therefore, Yonadab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. And that's the last verse in this chapter, and that's the one I wanted to focus on. This is the interesting part. Not so much that they did this and that they obeyed him, but how God responds to them because of their obedience. And God doesn't command us to not build houses and not plant vineyards and not... And to dwell in tents and to not settle down. So, why does he bless them so much? Saying, You're gonna have a man to stand me before me forever because they're willing to obey to honor the difference between an honoring and forbidding, but to honor their father, their grandfather, their great-great-grandfather. That's one of the commandments of God, to honor our mother and father. And they were willing to do that, to honor him. So in the judgment, and it's interesting because, again, i prepared this sermon long before yesterday, but yesterday at that cemetery, one of the people that were there, he said to me, I grew up in a religious home, and we were so godly and Parents were so religious and very conservative and did all the right things and I followed all the right things and did all the right things. But then he turned from it because in our tribe or our group, we acted as if we were the only ones that were going to make it to heaven. We were so righteous. And turned him off. I said, well, I'm preaching about that tomorrow. (laughs) I gave him a little synopsis of it. That God does not judge us. God will not judge us based on a list of do's and don'ts. God will not judge us on that, whether we're following right or wrong or truth or error as much as he will judge us on whether or not we've heard and listened to him. Because every group, especially in the day when this man was growing up, every religious group, and every religious group, I believe, should believe that they have truth. Otherwise, why do they exist? Right? I mean, close up shop and just go next door if that's the case. If you just think, hey, everyone has got the same truth. We're all together, if everything's the same, if nothing really matters, well then nothing matters. Then why do you exist? You know one company in a secular company, whatever they're selling food or whatever, if they think the other company's got a better product than they do, then, then why do they exist? <laughs> you should think you have a better product. You should believe in your product or in your message or in your truth. But certainly in the day, again, when people were loyal to one and only gas company and one and only car company and stayed on a job for 40 years and retired there and started there and the company was loyal to them. And people were born a religion and stayed that religion no matter what. They, they wouldn't hear anything else and listen to anything else. There certainly were problems with that. Couldn't learn that way, you couldn't grow that way, and you might be buying the worst gas in town, and might be buying the worst vehicle in town, but you were loyal to that. So there were some problems with that, but there were some good things with that as well. This is a joke, it goes back, and I think it's used among a lot of different religious groups. They were in heaven, they were walking along with the Lord, and he's taking them around and showing them the the uh, the still waters, and the... And the green pastures and, and the hills and the throne and the tree of life and the, the golden streets and they're and walking along and, and they come across and, and, uh, and the Lord tells them, shh, be, be quiet through this area here. I said, why, why, what is that? He says, well, you see down there, you see that little village down there off in the distance? I said, yeah, we, we can see that. He said, well, down there is where the, and then you put in the blank of whatever religious group you're part of. That's where the so-and-so live, and they think they're the only ones up here. And we don't want to ruin it for them. You know, so, so be quiet while we walk past this area. You know, So God will have lots of people there who might not be part of our tribe, even if we have the right truth and all the truth, as can be known today, and following it, because the judgment, again, is not based so much on having the knowledge of the truth, and and even so much as walking in the truth, Adam and Eve were not kicked out of the Garden of Eden for believing the error that Satan lied to them with. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden for not listening to the warning that God gave them. That's what it comes down to. Are we listening to God? And are we following what God says? Cuz here God is honoring this family for listening to their patriarch. He's not asking them to disobey God in any way shape form. And they're honoring that and they're listening to that and listening to God in a sense in honoring their mother and father. And God honors that. And their ability to listen and honor God. Hearing his spirit. It's not so much again, again, following. There's a lot of people who follow error their whole lives ignorantly who will be in the kingdom of heaven. Yeshua said that. He said, there are prostitutes and heathen who will be in the kingdom of heaven before you. Talking to the religiosity ones. The religious the religious garb of his day. Because they heard the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts and they surrendered to him in that area. So in the judgment, God will be very merciful. There are people in areas of this world who haven't heard the gospel yet, vast, Majority of the world have not heard the gospel yet. Many in this country haven't heard the gospel yet, but at least here in this country, they have ample opportunity to hear the gospel if they wanted to. But there are large portions of this world, huge population centers of this world who have not heard and don't even have the opportunity to hear the gospel The Holy Spirit's still there and still impressing hearts and minds. And to someone whose generation and generation and generation, they ate other humans, cannibals, and everyone in their family and everyone in their tribe, and that's all they know, that's all they do. And the Holy Spirit speaks to someone one day and says, you know, that's not such a good idea. Don't eat your brother anymore. And that person goes, I don't know where that came from, but, you know, I think I'm going to listen to that. The Holy Spirit speaking to their mind. And God will judge us based on that. Based on whether or not we have listened to God. Might be all messed up with all other kinds of error in his life, but he listened to what God told him to do. And God is so merciful that even if he didn't listen that time, God will come back to him another time and another time and another time. And as long as he lives, God will continue to speak upon it to his heart and mind. There's an interesting text here out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 23. Speaking about Capernaum, where Yeshua spent a lot of time. He lived there for quite some time. Peter had his house there and lived there. Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. It's a very interesting text. So it'll be more tolerable. In the judgment, God will have a toleration scale. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah, whom he destroyed with fire. And Yeshua was giving credence for that Bible account by describing a city, naming a city. That land of Sodom, that was destroyed with fire, it'll be more tolerable for them even though they were trying to rape angels, it'll be more tolerable for them than for Capernaum. Now, Capernaum had a synagogue. The synagogue is still there today, portions of it. There were religious leaders in Capernaum who came and accepted Yeshua as the Messiah. There were people that were healed there. There was a centurion who, in Capernaum who accepted the Messiah. Yeshua as the Messiah. There were demoniacs cast out in that very synagogue. There were people healed in that very synagogue. In Peter's house, his mother-in-law was healed. In Peter's house, right in Capernaum, people were brought day and night and were healed. demons were cast out. People believed in that city. From the members, from people outside, from leaders in the synagogue. They were believers. But God is going to judge them on the amount of light that they received and so much light because of all those things that took place there. Even though many of them believed, obviously, God had a higher expectation for more of them to believe because of how much light they had and how much light they received. And so even though Capernaum had all these people come to the Lord, and, and, and Sodom, we have a record that I couldn't even find 10. He could barely, barely find three. And yet in the judgment, there may be sodomites in heaven. I mean sodomites, I mean people from that city. <laughs> it might be in heaven because they listened to the Holy Spirit. At least it'll be more tolerable for them than for Capernaum. So in the judgment, God will judge on a judgment scale based on what we've had opportunity. To know, and Capernaum had lots of opportunity to know, and not only know, and to follow what we know from God. Again, not all the error. doesn't matter so much the error that's put upon us. Whether we've obeyed the truth and listened to the truth that God brings to our hearts, individually and corporately, and so we might be sharing with someone and, and bringing them to the Lord and, and they might be foul-mouthed and we might be saying, you know, God doesn't like that. You just stop cursing. And we think that's the most important thing. And we might judge them based on that or some other outward thing that we see in their life. We don't know what's going on in their mind. They may be thinking of killing their spouse or and the Holy Spirit's convicting them and holding them back from killing their spouse, and we think the most important thing is that they stop cursing or, or whatever. And so if the Holy Spirit's convicting them not to kill their spouse and they don't kill their spouse, because the Holy Spirit's convicting them of that, that's what God will judge them on. It's on what He convicted them on, and whether we and us on, and what we listen to that. So yes, there is truth. So we've gone from an error where, again, this is where I was born, this is what I'm going to die, I'm not going to listen to anything else, to a time now we've gone to the other extreme where people will listen to everything and anything and suck up all kinds of error and reject all kinds of truth, thinking nothing matters. Well, that's again another extreme that's not good at all. There's problems with that as well. So we need to listen to God, and we need to listen to what God's truth says, and we need to read the Word of God. And there is truth, there is right, and there is wrong. And all of it's for our own good. All of it's for our benefit. He's given us his laws for us, not for him. Everything he shows us to do is for our benefit and solely for our benefit. As they are, um, us individually and for everyone around us. Everyone around us benefits when we're nicer and forgiving and kind and loving and happy. We benefit from the Sabbath. We benefit from giving to God. God's blessings come back upon us. And others benefit from as well. And God's work benefits. God's work continues around the world, which is good for us and good for others. And good for heaven. So all that God has in His Word for us, all the truths, all the all the things that He teaches us, is for ourselves. So yes, there is truth. Yes, there is right and wrong. But we'll be surprised by who's there. They're saying, you know, we three surprises in heaven. We surprised of who's there and who's not there, and that we're there. And it all comes down to whether or not we've listened to the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and minds. So we can be of the right tribe. We can be in the right city. We can be in the right synagogue. And God say, like he did to Judah and to the Jerusalemites, you're not listening to me. There's all these other prophets saying all these other things, and you're listening to them you're not listening to my prophet Jeremiah. And I won't judge you on all the lies that are out there, but I am going to judge you that you're not listening to Jeremiah, who I've sent waking up early and sending him early and telling him day and night to turn from your wicked ways, to amend your ways, to obey me and make me your only God. And there'll be others like this clan of Rechabites or whatever they are, whom the Holy Spirit was moving upon to obey their great, 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 great -great grandfather. And they were willing to do that. God's looking for that kind of loyalty in his people. They're willing to loyal to obey commandment of their patriarch, he'll certainly be willing to obey God. And so God's very merciful in the judgment, but not so merciful that he's going to let sin into it. He's not going to allow rebellion into it. He kicked one of his chief angels, out, a covering cherub, right before the throne of God. If he kicked him out because of rebellion in his heart. Don't think he'll let us in with rebellion. He kicked one-third of his angels out. He certainly won't let us in to bring rebellion in created Adam and Eve. And within a short period of time, he kicked them out for one sin. Again, it wasn't so much the lie, but it was the, they were warned. They were told. They were given ample opportunity. And they had tons of other trees to eat from. There was no reason for them to rebel against God. And so if it'll be more tolerable for Sodom than for Capernaum in the judgment, because how much light Capernaum had and how little light Sodom had, all they had was Lot and Lot's wife. Thanks for nothing, right? Right? Who do you think it'll be more tolerable for in the judgment? Capernaum, or you and me? In this country, with the Bible in so many translations, you can't even name them and list them, and so many different ways to read it, tablets and phones and listening audio and visual printed form, large print, super large print, tiny print, pocket size, hotels around the country, free on the internet, cheap at all kinds of stores. Who do you think it will be more tolerable for there? certainly will be more tolerable for Capernaum. That's a desolate archaeological site now. And so God will judge. He will hold us to the highest standard of all. But with that high standard he holds us to, he pours out his grace and his spirit that much more upon us as well. So we have the benefit of so much more truth. We have the benefit of the scriptures. We have the benefit of freedom in this country to read it and to follow it. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. And so as we continue in our walk with the Lord, may we appreciate his mercy in the judgment, but not take it for granted. Thank him that he is so loving and so kind and has given us such opportunity and opportunity and opportunity. But let us not abuse it. Let us not use that as an excuse for sin, but as a reason to come to him and to surrender all to him who's such a loving God and a gracious God. Let us not use that to say, well, we don't have to go to these countries of the world where they don't have the Bible because the Holy Spirit's going to them. Well, how much harder it is for them to obey without a written word and without godly examples than for us who have such a cloud of witnesses who stood before us and have gone before us and who stand with us. Because how can they hear without a messenger, unless someone goes. So as we pray tonight, whatever God is moving upon your heart and mind, maybe you've been turned off to God as that man I met in the cemetery, for some reason, because of some examples of others. You want to surrender your life to God tonight and accept Him as a loving, merciful, good and just and righteous God. Maybe you've been following the ways of your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents, and that's good in and of itself. Maybe in your heart the Holy Spirit's convicting you, but some of the things they taught you were not right. And it's time to follow what is right. It's time to follow God's ways and God's laws. That might have been in contrast to something you might have been taught generations past. And you want to follow God and make Him your Lord over all and obey Him. Maybe there's some area in your life that's broken and He's wanting to heal. And He's wanting to mend. He's wanting to minister to you in. And you want to surrender that to Him and receive His love, receive His forgiveness, receive His cleansing, receive His healing. And allow him to work in your heart and in your mind. And make you whole and restore you to the original way that he wanted to create Adam and Eve in his image. He wants to do all things new in you. Any of those areas apply to you? Some other area that God's speaking to your heart and mind about? Let us allow God to work in us and through us. And to speak to us and convict us and lead us in his way. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name and we thank you, Lord, that you are merciful and that you are just, that you are kind and you are gracious, but also that you will not tolerate sin. Such a wonderful balance, God, that we have that wants what's best for us and for all, for heaven and for earth, and so, Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your righteousness and your truth. Live that out in our lives. Thank you for coming to us and lifting us up, providing the way of, to change us and to provide salvation for us. So work in us and through us for your honor and for your glory. In Yeshua's holy name, Amen.